know, um, you know, we knew this was one of the better, if not the best team we've played, you know, and we were kind of counted out throughout the week, and, and that was something that we wanted to show, come out and show that we that we can play with anybody and that people have to be scared of us too. So that's uh, I think that's what we did, and I, I think we, we're going to continue to do that throughout the season. positive night but the way I'm wired I'm thinking about the two red zone possessions we didn't score touchdowns so you know and you also know the difference between walking away with a win tonight and then sitting here and you lost it isn't much on this day 1965 October 24th good to have you on board Fran Tarkington Fran Tarkington threw for 477 yards 407 yards and three touchdowns and the Vikings defeated San Francisco 42-41. to That was this date in hmm. 1965, Derek. We start with a little bit of history. And on yesterday, October 23rd of 2023, Kirk Cousins threw for 378 yards. And the Minnesota Vikings did what I don't think any pundit or talking head in the United States of America thought could happen. And that is defeat San Francisco. And what a... What a Tuesday it is today for Vikings fans. Paul Allen show. I imagine people locked in. And I uh, just a question today. If it didn't tear down what you think of San Fran and how good they are, and they are, what did it do for Viking fans in relation to what you think this team is capable of? That's the question today. What are are these Vikings capable of after yesterday's game i'm curious and you know what else i'm curious if you were at the bank yesterday call in 237-3767 or 888-458-6926 derek you've seen tons of games there covering it both as a fan and as someone covering a game uh if you were at the bank yesterday and within the sound of our voice on 740 The Fan today in the Jack Michael Show, uh, you can be anonymous or you can give us your name or whatever, 237-3767-888-458-6926. Why? Because I think we would love to hear what that uh, that venue felt. We, we listened to it and or watched it. I get it, Derek. But, boy, if you were at the game, I'm curious. A lot of red in the stands. You can see that from the you know some of the, some of the graphics on the TV. I don't think there's any question about that. But it was an interesting game at many levels. You know, I think, you know, obviously the panel, they picked the games. Everyone picked San Francisco. Not mm-hmm. a big surprise there. That I mean, I think they were the favorites coming in for a reason. And I think a lot of people were thinking a bounce-back game after a tough loss on the road right. to Cleveland. But a couple tough road losses now for San Francisco. They're still going to be a team to be reckoned with in January. I mean, there's not a team that you're really going to want to play. They're a little banged up right now. So are the Vikings. They didn't have Justin they Jefferson. So, yeah. I mean, you don't, have, you don't have your big stud that you uh, went and – you know, Davenport uh, that you went and got in free agency and you don't have Justin Jefferson on the other side. So impressive win. I thought yeah. it, primetime Kirk uh, went by the wayside last night. It was one of Kirk Cousins' best, if not the best game as a Viking. You I and I say. were chatting last night. I, I liked the, the comment you made. I, I think I threw out just a general, wow, Cousins is having a uh, just a phenomenal, whatever I text you, and he said, maybe one of those um, signature wins for Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right, Derek. It can be. I mean, but primetime game, you know, you know the rhetoric. Um, we'll see. But if you don't win a bunch of games in a row and you don't make the playoffs, yeah. then it, it doesn't mean jack anything, right? So, I mean, it's, it, you got to string a few of these together. I mean, no bigger than going to your big rival coming up on Sunday and winning in Lambeau Field on a team that's – they're wounded right now too, right? So, it's, it's going to be – 
you know, it's going to be a grind here, but you got two winnable games coming up here against Atlanta and Green Bay, and you got to take advantage of it and, you know, string some. They won one that you didn't expect to last night after yep. losing two at home that you thought maybe they should win. So don't lose one now that, that yeah, you're exactly. expected to win. Uh, the other part of that today, so if you're at the bank yesterday, uh, you're probably maybe driving back today. I don't know. Maybe you stayed over. Maybe you did the, the all-nighter. Uh, feel free to, to chime in. That, that we'll, we'll have a bat phone for you today at 237-3767. Let you get right in. The other question regarding the Vikings win against San Francisco that I would have today, and, and I'll pose it, you know, Derek and I will, will go over this, but I love the, uh, you know, with Bubba uh, Schrager, when I do uh, uh, shows with, with Coach, uh, we talk about the anatomy of wins and or anatomy of losses and kind of break it down from a forensic s- standpoint, if you will, and then move on to the next game. If if yesterday that win was, a, again, a trivial pursuit pie with wedges, how big, what group and or individuals and percentage of which is the reason why Minnesota won last night against San Francisco. Who are all wedges of that trivial pursuit pie even? Is Cousins got a little bit wider? Is is there a position group that has a bigger chunk of that? So, Derek, in the anatomy of that win, are they all equal slices? Or in your estimation, just summarize, uh, got a little bit more of a wedge? Oh, I think that the line, because we the all know Kirk Cousins needs a clean pocket, and they gave him one for most of the night. I mean, no I sacks. Christian Derrissaw holding his own against Nick Bosa, and that's an understatement. That's not an easy thing to do. So Weisner now at, uh, at the, the And that might spot. make a difference. They ripped up 19 yards. You know, the running game is still a little bit less than to be desired. And can I just say this? Yeah. I know it's a copycat league. I get it. But of all the teams, not to try to do the tush I know where push. You're going. I know where you're going. Kirk Cousins, the Minnesota Vikings, maybe bottom three of teams that I think that should try to copy the Philadelphia Eagles on that. Yeah. Baltimore Ravens? Yeah. I, I think Lamar Jackson will do a little tush push you like the what, Eagles. You know when you text me, <laughs> you said, let's not try tried it twice. Let's not do that anymore. You know what that reminded me no, of? No, what that? I said was... It worked so bad the first time. Let's yeah, try it again. It worked so bad, bad the first time. Let's try it. No. You know what that reminded me of when that text came in? Have you ever been at the fair? And none against the, the, the carnival workers at the fair and the games they have at a state fair. But I was a sucker for this. It, it, there's usually like a washer and a bunch of quarters. And then you put your quarter in a slot. And then the bar pushes your quarter. And you try to oh, push yeah. the other ones over. And you think, I'm going to come out of here with just gazillions of money. And then you put the one corner and it slides over the other ones. And then you put another corner and that's like that tush push the Vikings tried. Like they pushed twice and no quarters fell out the other side. That's a good way to, that's a good analogy. I used to play that game at Junkano on Fort Myers Beach, but that that game is probably in the Everglades after a hurricane last year (laughs) because that's where the rest of Junkano is. Everything is in the the Glades. But that's what it reminded me of. It's like for Philly, they're pushing quarters over the edge. It works for them. Well, and they got. Maybe the best center in football, the uh, Tyler Swift's yeah, future brother-in-law. Yeah, right. So I mean, you're 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 in a different situation totally because Gary Bradbury's fine, but he's not Jason Kelsey. Can and, we say, and, is and, that uh, safe to say? And who was it for San Fran on one of those plays? <laughs> and Kirk even said in the montage, you heard him. He goes, you know, he's kind. Of, if you don't know Kirk Cousins, a little bit of a perfectionist. He likes to. Yeah. He's got that. So he's he's looking at, at areas where they missed out on opportunities instead of the, the win. But uh, who was it that uh, for the Niners? That jump, like, was it Jefferson and Fast Times at Ridgemont High? That, <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> just literally. That's like, I never thought of that. Jumped but, over the pile, right. you know, and you know that that uh, might be the new thing. They're just going to try to. I think that's what's going to stop the tush pushes. They're just going to start taking shots at the quarterback, yeah. right? I mean, that's that's all you can dislodge do. a ball before mm-hmm. he can uh, get it out. But I don't know. My wedge, I think Bynum certainly has has a pretty good chunk of that oh. that winning wedge in that analogy, Derek. I liked what I saw from him when he first came out of Cal, and now he's. He's kind of reminds me a little bit of Brian Robinson, where he didn't play a lot right away, but then towards the end, kind of getting it, becoming a factor now. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Brock Purdy tried to try to feather that one. You know, it's a tough ball. You know, at the end there, he, he, and I don't think you know Purdy didn't take a step back to you, did he? he he's 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 good for that. Says he's, he's he's a good quarterback. He's fine. You know, he's he's just fine. Then he scrambled out that scramble that Brock Purdy had. It looked like he was you know, and and I don't know two things last night with the quarterback getting out of danger. One was uh, Cousins, who somehow looked like he got out of a sandwich, and and popped that little ball in the flat. And I think there was a penalty on that play on that play anyway, uh, but that was impressive for Kirk to find that little space. And the other one was Purdy, not only stepped up, shifted over, and then made one more move and scrambled for like 19 yards. I thought, now that quarterbacks make uh, quarterbacks make plays here. That's just it. Quarterbacks got to make plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they make quite a few. I mean. I- I think they want a little bit more balance. You know, they're really pass heavy. Obviously, Madison had that ni- nice first run, and then it just seems like it's a grind all the time. Yeah, and then, but they then threw again, it 50 they're times. facing the 49ers. They threw it 45 times, Derek, and, and, and maybe yeah, they I think had you to. Gotta. You have to yep. throw it against that team. You are you have to essentially pass to set up the run. I think against the San Francisco 49ers, and that was a physical game. And you know, you got to go oh. out there, and man, there's a lot of. I think you mentioned in our little text group with you and I and Joel Heikamp. There's that, boys hurting today. Yeah, there's the the ice tub's going to be busy today in both of those camps because that was a that was a rough one for sure. You know, I think Hawkinson did a pretty good job of outdoing his Iowa Hawkeye buddy at, at, with George Kittle. Kittle yeah. So best friends, I think those two yeah, are. They are. They're both. They're both kind of homely gentlemen too. I just I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, they're, I mean, I don't want to judge, but I mean, those are big, ugly hey, tight ends. Those guys. It got kind of that uh, ogre yeah. revenge on there, that that uh, that thing going on. Yeah, they're very ogre like. That's a good way of putting it. Both the, uh, long hair and yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, the other mark of, of if you want to if you want to move sticks, and you want to move the chains, and maybe even at the collegiate level, maybe not for some programs, but certainly the National Football League. I've learned this much. Maybe it's the fact that my brother played this position in football too in high school. You got a tight end that can that can catch a pass and, and, and move a chain. Oh yeah. Look at this week. You know, what were speaking of Kelsey, what were his numbers this week? Travis now. Oh yeah, yeah hundred fifty seven or something like that. Huge. Yeah. Mark Andrews. Pretty good, pretty good day. I think he had two touchdowns uh for Baltimore uh this past week. Hawkinson had, I think, eleven catches yesterday, uh, in that you got a tight end. That that can 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 chip can block a little bit, then run out on a route and catch a ball, and then they're tough to tackle because they're big guys, you know. So corners aren't going to be able to bring them down, so they're going to absorb a hit. And unless you get a linebacker coming in with a free fall, a good tight end, a good pass catching tight end that can also block Derek. I say, let's go back to the era of Dan Rees. Uh, you know, I think Mike Ditka. Yeah, you look at yep. some of the successful teams at the. I mean, between Joe Sensor and Steve Jordan, and you know, and then let's look Brent at Jones let's look for, at Super Bowl teams over the past few decades. Yeah, Brent Jones was huge for the 49ers, right? right? Uh, D- Jay Novacek was one of the more underrated Another, Cowboys in that, for that '90s dynasty. You look at Brett Favre, who he had to throw through the '90s. You know, Keith Jackson was a part of that, and yeah. he had a few other guys. You know, um, is there a Chimura, uh, uh, and there's a guy. In, 
the Patriots was pretty good, helping oh, them win the Super Gronk, Bowl. Yeah, 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 he was okay. Gronk was okay. I, I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, Again. I, I think Shannon Sharp with both the Broncos and the Ravens. Vital, the vital position. Yeah, I mean, so, so a lot of these championship teams have had very good. Well, you think about how big was, and you got to see them twice a year as a Cowboy fan, Mark Bavaro and uh, those Oh, my Giants. God, the Giants, yes. Yeah, I mean, and he was kind of maybe the first Gronk, if you think about it. He was just a freak. So, And, and because they're not. You know, six four sleek. You know, can run a you know four flat or four two or four three. You kind of forget about it until it's third down and five. True. And then all of a sudden they're making catches, and all of a sudden now it's first down, and then maybe they're yeah. I think the the uh, well, uh, let's just look at you know over the years, Kleinsasser is pretty good for the you know, for uh, India, uh, UND. You think uh, about when they were really knocking on the door and right? beating the uh, Bison. Let's look at this uh, run here for NDSU. I mean. Ben Ellison, they've had tight ends over this dynasty here. Now go south for a few hours and go to South Dakota <laughs> yeah. State. They, they've made a factor between Kraft and Dallas yeah. Goddard. And yeah. back to the NFL, the Urches and the Goddards. Again, uh-huh. that position, and again, why don't we ever bring it up? Because it's not a sexy position. We talk quarterbacks and wideouts and running backs, and yet what we've seen in Week 7, certainly, I mentioned Andrews, Travis Kelsey. Hawkinson was a factor yesterday, and he, he will be a factor, and oh, he's yeah. got to be a factor. Yeah, I think that that position – Back the truck up and pay when you've got a good one to keep because they're going to move chains for you. Uh, so that's just a just a thought uh, on that. But so you know your your pursuit pie. Mine, I think I give I give the offensive line and Kirk Cousins a big chunk of my trivial pursuit pie. Why the why the Vikings won yesterday? Bynum certainly gets a gets a slice of that one. And then that backfield, you know, they they ran enough. Uh, they ran enough, but it just became, as Derek said, a, a, a uh, you know, Kirk was going to sling it. Kirk, I'm sure, his uh, shoulders on ice today. He threw it 45, 50 times yesterday, so that was that was really uh, that was really good. So I I obviously give it. I think Cousins was was just brilliant, but that is in step with with the O line. So that's my big chunk. Bynum had a, a game of all games. I mean, he should get between Cousins' offensive performance and the size of that win. And Bynum's two picks, and did he force the fumble too? Uh, yeah, he, he forced did. the fumble. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Hicks was the defensive player of the week in the NFC last week, and then I, I think he will be this week I for would, sure. Cam I Bynum. would say so. Uh, we said someone off the air say that uh, he – and he swore, so I didn't put him on the air, but he said uh, he really believes that uh, the Vikings should trade J.J. and Kirk Cousins. So, after seeing that last night. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So, if you are a fan – just check your card in and just turn it into something. I mean, <laughs> that, that is, uh, I mean, this not, t- that's not on my. Why, why is it that? Why is it we? I even had this argument with Roger Daggerman on social media. What? Yeah. He, the people bring. And I up love the, Roger. He's a, he's a great he's guy. A and yeah. I, I don't. Mind, I would call him right now and say he is a massive. Like, you're but, not going to find yeah, a guy that's but more these invested. People who want think that we're going to get the Herschel Walker afraid for JJ. You got to get out of over it. It's over. Yeah. I've seen it's, your, it's, I saw it's, a, your, it's the biggest knucklehead comment that you can have. I saw your exchange with Raj. I, I, I mean, uh, man, I go back 30 years with Raj. The, uh, I saw that I exchange. I told him to go to bed. Yeah. And I know it was a nice, friendly conversation. Oh, yeah, we're having fun Because you're both you've been in the business for a long time. But I, but you, you're kind of right here that there's why do you think that the grass is, is, is going to be so green, even if you have the opportunity to, to collect picks and do this, that, and another thing, as opposed to building around maybe those that you have. Yes. 
you know, and and go the hard, go through it that way. You're well, right. The, the problem is we go back to the Herschel Walker trade, but then we forget how what a fiasco the Randy Moss trade was. Yeah, and then we forget about drafting guys like Laquan Treadwell and Troy Williams and these guys that don't work out. Not all these guys are going to work out. If you go get a pick and then Mensa goes picks guys like Andrew Booth Jr. and Lewis Seen, that's not a very good trade. Yeah, how's that work? You have the, one of the biggest assets in the NFL right now that you can build around in Justin Jefferson. The Kirk questions, I mean, after you win, win last night, you're in the hunt to get in the tournament. And by the way, Kirk's not going anywhere. No, well, but because they're, 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 they're sitting three and four. And you just got to get in the tournament. Whether you're not, you're going to do anything. You're hoping to be the six seeded yep. Pittsburgh Steelers or the six seeded Green Bay Packers that won World Championships. Is it going to happen with Kirk Cousins? I don't know. If anything, sh- but you, you got to give it a shot. You do. I and and, and the trade deadline is what the, the it's coming up here. Soon. Halloween. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens. I I don't know if. Well, if they beat the Packers, they're they're going to go to four and four, and they're yeah, not going to. That's Kirk and Kirk's got a clause, an option, all that, that he owns. I I don't think that's uh, that's that's. Well, going who are you going to trade him to at this point? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. let's let's kind of get out of our box of thinking that we're going to get twelve draft picks and then get a nineteen nineties Dallas dynasty out of it because we if, are if, trade away our superstar. If anything, Kirk did yesterday was showcase what he's still capable of. So after this season is done, and if the Vikings, don't, if he's not a Viking next year, he's probably going to land in a nice little contract someplace. That's what last night's game did for well, Kirk. For sure. I you mean, know. there's no doubt because he is really good. Yeah. Now, is he great going to get you a championship? I don't know. I hope he does, but that's the that's the question. That's been the thing with him. And if you think you've guaranteed professional sports and, and they put a finger on how you know, who's going to win and who's not, try being Houston – and not winning a game at home, and Texas Rangers are going to the World Series. Unreal. That uh, that's crazy. The uh, Dick Bramer coming up around the corner to touch on that game seven tonight. Philadelphia and Arizona. Matt Strom and company trying to get it done and, and join Texas in that aforementioned tournament. We'll talk with Dick Bramer coming up next. Brought to you by Jefferson Lines. It's a Tuesday edition. Jack Michaels show. Derek Hansen on seven forty. The fans. Rolling through a Tuesday, uh, efforting Dick Bremer on his Tuesday piece. Uh, Dick's a busy man as well. We got Game Seven tonight. I gotta throw one thing before we dive into this one, uh, D. But uh, have you ever been to a store uh, like a market that uh, that uh, I needed a belt yesterday, so I'm going into uh, Malwart, uh-huh. and uh, in the end, I'm like, ah, I guess I'll buy some lettuce and you know this and that and other thing. And I have you ever been into a store where you knew when you bought an item, you were going to open it before you drove home and started eating it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was I uh, <laughs> I was craving these flesh stripes yesterday, so I'm like, oh, two dollar, two eighteen for this, and I my brain went buy two because you know you're going <laughs> to, and I did. And like I literally like a five minute drive, and I'm like, I can't wait to get home. So I open up these fudge I, I polished off half the thing. I was telling Eric Johnson for a brother station, I asked him that question. He goes, are you kidding me? I've opened up stuff in the store, eaten it, and then just showed them the wrapper oh, so I could pay for it. Nice. <laughs> the, yeah. uh, uh, that's it. Uh, 237-3767-888-458-6926, our Tuesday edition uh, with Dick Bremer. Brought to you by Jefferson Lines, and, and hopefully we uh, will be able to connect with uh, with Dick on this Tuesday in October. I'll tell you this, that the Texas Rangers 
And Derek and I have been kind of bringing up who you're rooting for, who you're pulling for. If you don't have a dog, you know, pony right. in the race and all, and and you can make a case for. We've heard the L two V cases and in Texas trying to trying to go into uncharted territory. Bruce Bochy, you know, you like both managers, uh, Dusty Baker. Well, the Rangers just just literally raced past the Astros in their own building, eleven to four last night. Adolis Garcia, who, if you recall. In Game Five, uh, started a, 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 a little bit of a brawl because he was hit by a, by a pitch, a controversial hit by pitch in Game Five, and then of course he hits the grand slam in Game Six, and and his fingerprints all over this. And in Game Seven, he knocks in a couple more. Adolis Garcia finishes the American League Championship Series with 15 runs batted in. Think about that. It's seven games, 15 runs batted in. We've had Mr. Octobers, and we've had things, Eric, where, where guys have had big days. Um, you know, during a championship series, big games. But this is a series in which, uh, which Garcia had 15 runs batted in. It is a record for any postseason. It's an incredible postseason. Both championship series now uh, will have gone or are going seven games. And Dick Bremer, who is who has called more games than most people can uh, can even think about uh, watching, for goodness sakes. And Dick, good to have you on board. Brought to you by Jefferson Lines. And and I I don't uh, are you intrigued? Were you intrigued more with the Texas Houston one that has grabbed your attention, or the Philly and Arizona one that's going Game Seven? Good afternoon, Dick. Where are you sitting on on this year's championship series? Well, Game 7s are just such wonderful, wonderful things in any sport. Uh, I've been privileged to be a part of them. Uh, I remember back to some Game 7 series the Twins, or excuse me, the North Stars had with the St. Louis Blues and Chicago Blackhawks. It's just so exciting. Uh, it's It's been odd this year because there has been no home field advantage at all. And, uh, you know, Houston, uh, you know, had the home field advantage in the um, ALCS, and now Texas is going to have the home field advantage regardless of who they play between, you know, Philly and Arizona. What is it told? What, what, what have we learned from the Texas Houston series, Dick, about the point you just made when I, I used to believe that the, you know, you couldn't tell me that the Metrodome wasn't a home field advantage for the. Minnesota Twins in some of their games. But what have we learned, Dick, from this Texas-Houston series? Well, that home field advantage uh, is negligible if one team is hot and the Rangers got hot. They lost it for a while. Uh, But, you know, uh, know, it's kind of the inverse of what we saw in Minnesota in 87 and 91 when the Twins, um, you know, couldn't win on the road but won everything at home. And in that Texas-Houston series, it was just the opposite. So, um, you know, another thing, too, is, you know, wild card teams aren't at a big disadvantage once they're playing the, the division champions. You know, we we saw, you know, Baltimore get bounced out and Atlanta got bounced out. So it's really been a fascinating uh, postseason that way. It's kind of crazy that's been the way – I mean – you know, Philadelphia did that last year too. You're seeing teams just get into the brackets as we talked about before, and then they get hot at the right time. You don't think of baseball getting hot and momentum all that all that much, but it certainly has been the case the last two years of Major League Baseball. Yeah, and I think you touched on the key word momentum, uh, and it's 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 undefinable. But when a team has it, and the Twins had it, you know, and early on in the postseason, 
and then uh, you know ended up losing two games at home uh, to uh, be eliminated. So. Uh, you know, if a team is playing well and if they get good pitching, I mean, that's another part of this postseason uh, uh, dynamic this year, too. Uh, some uh, prior reliable starting pitching has buckled for some of these teams at the worst possible time. And then, you know, we look at what we saw with the Twins and their rotation and how good it was. And, you know, Sonny Gray was outstanding, right? But he had a bad inning in, a, in his last playoff game, and it ended up costing the Twins uh, uh, advancing into the postseason. Dick Bramer joining us, brought to you by Jefferson Lines. And Dick, you know, before we jumped on, I was it was giving Adolis Garcia's numbers during the ALCS, and he is he finished the the championship series with 15 runs batted in. It's a record for any postseason series. I think Carlos Beltran in 2004 in the National League Divisional Series uh, drove in at least one run in six consecutive games. Well, now Garcia is doing what he's doing, Dick. Even in a team that that season came to an end, Jordan Alvarez, I think, in the postseason just looks like a guy that why would you even pitch to him? Dick, how many times have you seen that in your broadcasting of uh, postseason play? You talk about getting hot at the right time. To this degree, like Adolis Garcia, 15 RBIs, and the guy is just it's 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 like slow pitch softball to this dude by this time it seems like yeah it was uh rosarena last year right yeah, or the right. year before you know i mean it, you you get a hot hand and typically what you see because there are so many different layers to the playoffs now somebody will have a great series and then it'll be somebody else's turn the next time but my goodness we've got some some young hitters who have maybe flown under the radar a little bit uh, emerge and just have tremendous, tremendous postseason uh, uh, spurts. And we'll see, maybe in the World Series for the Texas Rangers, it'll be somebody else. Maybe it'll be Corey Saint, uh, Seager. Maybe it'll be Jonah Heim, somebody like that. Uh, but, you know, it's it's been fun to watch the Game 7s uh, series develop and, and have the twists and turns that uh, are so fascinating to watch in a seven-game series, and we've seen it as well in the National League, and that'll get decided tonight. Yeah, for sure. I'm really happy for Mitch Garver. I, I liked him whenever I would talk with him when he was with the Twins. I, he's really having a nice uh, series here, nice postseason. I'm really happy for how he's performing right now, and has come up big in many key spots. He's uh, got some awfully big hits for the Rangers, and you know, from the time uh, he left Minnesota, uh, he's had some health issues. I remember talking with Mitch last year in 2022 when we were in Arlington, and he was having, uh, I think, shoulder surgery and uh, could only DH, and he wanted to DH in that series against the Twins uh, to face them one more time. And, uh, you know, he had to deal with the, the rehab and all of that. And so to see him have some success and now playing in the World Series, yeah, I, Mitch was one of my favorite guys when he was here. There, you know, it's kind of funny with the Twins now uh, not out and looking forward to 2024. We always talk on the on the show, Dick, about if you had to adopt a team right now, who who would it be? And we've asked you that before. But there there is an angle, uh, Twins fans, if if you want to make it with the Texas Rangers, if you know the history of this franchise, you know, kind of you know, they're kind of the the, the second uh, incarnation of the Washington Senators. Uh, that eventually, you know, of course, the Senators went to Minnesota in 1961, if, if folks know that story, and then stayed there in Washington for a while. And then, boom, uh, in 72, the team moves to Arlington. And then, Dick, they become this team that, 
I don't know if like the world paid attention to them, but they've they've gone without, gone without, have gotten close, fell, gotten close, fell, gone without, gone without. I think you can make a story, Dick, for Texas, right? If you don't have a, a pony in the race, so to speak. Yeah, they've never won it. Uh, they're linked to the twins. Uh, yeah, you're right. You detailed it pretty well. The Washington Senators, the original iteration of the Washington Senators, moved to Minnesota, and then Washington got an expansion team, and that didn't last very well. The very or very long. The very reason the uh, Griffith family moved the franchise to Minnesota was lack of attendance, and that continued uh, after you know the Twins showed up here. Um, and you know I'm I'm a sentimentalist. I think I told you guys this last week. You know for a, for a fan base that has never won something against a team that has, I'll always cheer for the team that didn't win. They came close. They got to the World Series in back-to-back years, and if Nelly Cruz had made that catch against the Cardinals, they would have won a World Series, uh, you know, what, 10 years ago, uh, but it didn't happen, so now they've got another chance here this year. Yeah, it's interesting because that's kind of the interesting storyline here. I don't know if there's many household names on the Arizona Diamondbacks, and so the Phillies, who obviously have had a success and won you know, World Series or been to in the last, you know, how many decades – I, I don't know which one's more intriguing to, after Game 7 tonight of who you kind of pull for for the best storyline as far as Major League Baseball is concerned. Well, I, I kind of like the way how, the, you know, the the Diamondbacks regrouped in a hurry. You know, it wasn't just a couple of years ago. They were one of the worst teams in baseball. Uh, but with an infusion of young talent, some good pitching, uh, they were able to get things turned around rather quickly, and they kind of remind me of Baltimore in the American League. Uh, and for their fan base, fan bases, both in Baltimore and in Phoenix, it's just been a great, quick, rapid turnaround. They're an exciting team to watch. They like to run. Uh, we have been told now for years the team that hits the most home runs in the postseason advances. But the Diamondbacks do have that component of some speed on the bases, and so we'll see whether they can – a, get to the World Series, and then how much of a factor that might be against the Texas Rangers. Our last one I got for Dick here, and only because I was bumping into uh, our good buddy Tom Dosh and his wife Tina, and she's related to uh, the, the Strom family there. So, Maddie, and we bring this up quite a bit because Maddie, Maddie probably going to get some use tonight for Philadelphia. Why can't, can't hold anybody back tonight? But to that point, Dick, uh, in your estimation, do we see – what word should I use? Overmanaging with regards to arms out of the bullpen and when you go to them because we're paying them a lot of money, we've done the analytics, we're going to match up this arm and let's get that starter out, let's go here. Not everybody, Dick, but are we seeing more of that now? And to a point where maybe maybe it might cost you a game or two. Well, I'm kind of caught in the middle on this, and I remember an interview I heard Tony LaRusa do back when he was managing the Cardinals. So it's been a while, and analytics was just starting to kind of take over the game. And Tony said all of that stuff, meaning the research, how a pitcher does third time through the order and all of that, that's all great game preparation. But then after that, he, Tony LaRusa, would uh, listen with his ears and see with his eyes as to what was happening on the field. Now, we all know that, you know, when Blake Snell was with the Rays a few years ago, looked like he was untouchable. They took him out after five innings in the sixth game and never saw the seventh game. And then we saw, too, how the Blue Jays handled Jose Barrios in the playoff round with the Twins. 
he issued a leadoff walk. That's all he did. And they went and brought in a reliever who then got into more trouble with walks and all that. So I, I think there's more of it, certainly. They've got the research to back up what they do. But I always go back to Tom Kelly. And in Game 7 of the 87 World Series, he had every reason to leave Frank Viola in, but he didn't because he had Jeff Reardon for the ninth. So he took Viola out after he had really settled down after a rough start in Game 7. And then, you know, four years later, in 1991, he couldn't take Jack Morris out, and so he left his starter in the game. And so I think in Tom's case, he was watching what was happening. And he knew his personnel. And he knew that Jack Morris was going to give – he was going to pitch as well in the 10th inning as he did in the first inning. And so he left him in, and it worked out well in each case for Twins fans. So I do think managers are better advised to you know, pay attention to what's happening on the field. And I think John Smoltz said it on the telecast last night. The pitcher will tell you if his stuff is diminishing. You know, you'll see line drives and all that kind of stuff. So – We'll we'll have to wait and see how it all plays out. That's as good as I've heard that broken down, Derek. That's great by anybody. That's period. perfect. That yeah, that's fantastic. One hundred percent, because you know I think your gut feeling has to come in once in a while, and I hope that happens. You know, with the the current staff with the Minnesota Twins too. And I, the one thing that Larusa said too when he went from the A's to the Cardinals, they asked him you know about oh it's so much more difficult to manage in the National League, whatever. He goes, not really, because. I knew where to uh, take my pitcher out. If, it was, if, he, if he was coming up in the sixth inning, I knew I could pinch hit for him. And so in many ways, he liked managing the National League more than the American League back then before we had the universal DH. And if you're in the, the dugout and you start seeing the uh, numbers on the back of your outfielder's uniforms, then you know it might be time to get the pitcher out of there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, speaking of that, uh, interesting scuttlebutt. You mentioned the front office and all that. Uh you know, the Red Sox, maybe, you know, interviewing Thad uh, Levine and all that kind of interesting story. I'd be very happy for him if he's able to move up in the world. But, you know, these guys, and we've talked a lot about trades and offseason moves, but Derek Felby and Thad Levine had a pretty good offseason if you look at just by the numbers and who they got. And uh, just, you know, up and down the roster, you saw really shrewd moves. Now, we found out today that Thad Levine is no longer a candidate for the job in Boston, and oh. it looks like that job instead is going to go to a guy who pitched briefly for the Twins, Craig Breslow, who's an assistant GM with the Cubs right now, and it looks like he's got the inside track. So it looks like, at least in terms of a threat of that, leaving Red Sox going pretty good one-two punch. They made a lot of right decisions, and they've got some decisions to make again this offseason in the hopes that uh, the 2024 team will be uh, in the postseason once again. And then to wrap that up, there's no uh, awkwardness when when one of your front office and higher-ups uh, interviews and or applies, if you will, for another position within an organization. That's all really a professional situation, isn't it, Dick? Understood by the entire organization, correct? Yeah, you, you, you resist losing people for lateral moves, but in this case it would not have been a lateral move at all for Thad. He would have basically had the same job that Derek Falvey has, and instead of being the number two in Minnesota, he would have been the number one in Boston. But, uh, you know, Thad's got a pretty safe and secure thing here. He's he's a family guy, and uh, there's been a lot of turnover with the Red Sox, a very demanding fan base. And so these things tend to work out for the best for everybody, and I think Thad would probably tell you that too. He's probably not all that disappointed 
that he's not going to get the Boston job. My final thing for you, Dick, as far as the Twins are concerned, you know, you got your ear to the ground at all. It sounds like Byron Buxton's surgery went well. I read a little bit from Lavelle Neal the third, and you know, I, I think a few players actually got a little you know, mending, obviously after a long season. Yeah, and uh, uh, there will be a big, you know, question mark <laughs> suspended over Byron again through spring training. Remember, now he didn't pay uh, play center field at all uh, for the Twins either in spring training or in the regular season. And so we'll know maybe fairly early on in spring training next year, whether the knee surgery, the procedure took or not, if he starts roaming around in center field. And if he does, that should make this Twins team much, much better. Great information as always with Dick Bramer. It's just a, it's our treat to have Dick with us on a, on a weekly basis. I think we got uh, one more shot with Dick uh, maybe uh, next week as the world. Yeah, a couple more. Yeah. Couple Halloween more. Halloween and yeah, two ra- more. Oh. Wrap it up on the seventh. Yes. Yeah, and we'll know or the, the November Classic as it wraps next up. Next <laughs> time we talk, we'll know the World Series combatants, and we'll even have a game or two on the. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Good stuff, Dick. Uh, great stuff today as always. Thanks, Dick, for the time. We'll talk to you next week. You got it, guys. Across the state of uh, of uh, Minnesota, you know, what are we using for officials? So that's what are we in the oh, six, seven hundred yeah. officials are going to be out uh, yeah. tonight? Referees. Well, that's the biggest problem they have for this, and that might be the reason that they not everyone makes the playoffs more than anything else, right? I mean, yeah. outside of the, some of the scores that we'll be reading tomorrow morning, <laughs> it, it is uh, crazy. So to our texter and those who are wondering on that, just from from a regional aspect, I guess before uh, Derek and I, I mean, we could be here for a week breaking all this down. But in nine man section eight quarters today, uh, Derek, seven p.m. Warren Alvarado Oslo is the uh, four seed. The ponies. Uh, there you go against Winnemac. Got friends oh, yeah. there in Erskine. Oh, yeah. I grew up in Erskine. Uh, they're the five seed, so obviously that's a tight win. Goodridge Grigler Derek is the nine man section eight uh, number one, but Stephen Argyle uh, certainly capable. They've got Badger Greenbush Middle River and then Kitson County Central against Northern Freeze. Kitson County Central is the three. So in that nine man section eight, you know Goodridge Grigler is is the one. Stephen Argyle the two. They got Badger GBMR and then Kitson County Central against Northern Freeze. So if that stands the way it is, semifinals on Saturday. Section six nine man Derek uh, in Minnesota. Fertile Belt Trammy. Yeah, they were knocking on the door last year. Yeah. So right there again, they've got Laporte. Yeah. Uh, a, this is a true one eight, you know, two seven three six four five uh, uh, section there. So we'll see Clearbrook Gonvick, and you know that's also the section that Moorhead Park Christian right is in uh, section six nine men, and they've got Norman County East Union hit it all tonight. I think that's at Moorhead High School. That game is being played, okay. uh, and that's this afternoon at. Three, so it'll be warmer for their game Early. than it will be for the other one. Good idea. And section four, Derek uh, Ottertail Central gets the bye there. Uh, they're the one seed. Uh, Border West, uh, you know the two in that one in, in, in nine men. It's now, weird not to say Wheaton, Herman, Norcross, isn't it? And Clint Graceful Beardsley, who played in a section quarterfinal game, and of course they consolidated for wrestling and all that. But they were, you know, they were in different sections, just literally separated, and that was one of the most brutal. And actually, their wrestling team lost some early tournaments because they hurt each other on the football field. That was about 10 years ago or so. That's crazy. I had an old teammate when I was playing ball at NDSU uh, from Orton, Tommy Geese from uh, Ortonville. Oh, so yeah. I learned a lot about uh, about Ortonville. Beautiful They're part the, of the world there along great? the uh, the, uh, the 1A, uh, Section 4A, uh, the 1C there, Belgrade, Bruton, El Rosa, they, they get to buy. Uh, so we'll see what comes out of, out of, out of that one, Derek. The, uh, the 6A, you know, Parker's Prairie, is is the cream there? Panthers, huh? Yeah, uh, Breckenridge though, and I know we got a lot of folks there in the Breck area. The uh, Breckenridge uh, will face Pine River Bacchus uh, tonight at six. 
New York Mills, the six seed, West Central Area three, Lake Park, Audubon, and, and Ashby, Brandon, Evansville. Do they go by ABE? Is that what they? Yes. Uh, yeah, that's what they do. Uh, is the four five game? But again, Parker's Prairie, the one seed there. Uh, Minoba and Wabin is the by section eight one a uh, section eight a uh, the by Ada Borp West a by the other two. So that that's section eight. Uh, Derek Minoman Wabin and yeah. Minoman, whichever way you want to slice it, you want to talk about a program that spans decades of dominance. Well, both of them really. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about the young. I'll go kid at Fargo North. Well, that's where the bloodlines are from there, obviously, is the Wobbin Bombers and some of the teams that Uncle Dean and Father Gary, they were just men amongst boys back when they played. And then, well, I don't do I have to mention much more about Manoma. I, I played with them. <laughs> You're familiar? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you mentioned the Clark, of course, but before him was Ken Bauman. Oh, Bauman, yeah. Ken, yeah. And, and I mean, he. <laughs> that baton just kept. Oh, my heavens. Getting yes. passed. Uh, so that that's Section 8A. Uh, the 2A, Derek. In uh, Section 6 to a uh, Osakis is the buy. Yes. Uh, in that. Uh, Very interesting because the Section 8 AA champion will face the Section 6 AA champion in Alexandria. And if Osakis goes chalk, yeah. that's like 15 minutes from where they are. So, so a little bit of interesting. a, a little. T- uh, so we'll see if like Pillager or Staples Motley, right. uh, you know, some of those teams. Staples are- Motley, a good friend of mine, calls her games, and they've been had a nice surprising year. It's because they were struggling the past couple of years. They've had a really nice year. WAO, Monaga, and that. You mentioned six uh, or eight AA. Barnesville tonight against Crookston. And, uh, you know, with all due respect to Crookston, I, I don't care who you are in that. Uh, Barnesville is just flat out a good football team. Yeah. They, they're just tough to, to prepare for. Um, but in that 8AA, Pelicans the 2. Right. They've got Rotze. Park Rapids the 3. They've got Holly the 6. Dangerous 6 seed right there. Um, what has to happen for Barnesville to run that uh, that section? And, well, I think the interesting thing would be coming up on Saturday, if Frazee kind of goes chalk, they really – it was only sixteen nothing. They were got, really had some field position in the. They had a time of possession in the first half that kept the ball out of the Barnesville's hands. So we'll see if they can do that Saturday. Because if Frazee beats Warwick and Barnesville beats Crookston, and that would be in Barnesville right. coming up na- uh, this on Saturday, Saturday that yeah. we'll have here on the airwaves of uh, seven forty the fan. But Pelican Rapids is tough. They really are. They they, they it was eight to six at halftime hmm. with them with the lead against hmm. Barnesville earlier this year. Hmm. So. Hmm. Yeah, they they came out, and I'm not sure if uh, Timmy Guler, you know, he's been nursing an injury, really young, talented, you know, whether it's a hard court or whether it's on the football field. So I'm not sure where they're at with that. Someone maybe can text that in. We talked on uh, this yesterday quickly in, in 8-3-A, uh, DGF is the one perm, the two. Uh, this is a this is a slobber knocker right here because yeah. DGF is so strong. East Grand has Thief River uh, tonight at, at 6, Morris area, Chicago, uh, uh, Chicago Alberta. And Fergus Falls tonight at six, but DGF uh, the one uh, really tough to get past them. But we'll see. Uh, Perham folks are going. Wait, well, we got a pretty good club too. Yeah. Uh, four a eight four a uh, Little Falls in Princeton. Uh, Becker is the buy there, the one seed. Uh, Detroit Lakes will face Ricori Derek. Uh, that's the two and a three in semifinals coming up on Saturday. So we'll see how DL and that's speaking of great programs over the years. Yep. Good luck to Kevin Feeney. Uh, the Moorhead Spuds in action uh, tonight at 7. Uh, Sartell in town. Interesting. That's going to be a good match. They played not too long ago, so that's that should be a good ball game. Alex is the buy-in. Moorhead just played Alex. Right. And played him tough, but again, Alexandria seems to be the Cardinals one are really good flexing their muscles yeah. in that. 
So that's just a, a spattering. We got of, Shanley and West Fargo on Friday on the North Dakota side, <laughs> and then we got a whole slew of games coming up on uh, you know you know Fargo North uh, against Valley City in a two way. You know Fargo North would probably hold their own in three A this year, and so yeah. Kindred yeah. just keeps on rolling. So yeah, a lot of fun coming up on both sides of the river. Starting tonight, that's yeah, for sure. Nine-man quarters on uh, Saturday. No, this in North Dakota. Nine-man and 1A uh, quarters are, are, are Friday. And then the uh, the uh, the 2A and the 3A quarters will be on Friday, as you mentioned, too. I'm curious. You know what game I'm also curious about is the uh, Red River-Jamestown action on uh, Friday night. Right. Uh, that's a 3-6. But Jamestown, you know, this team has kind of been there. They've, they're playing a little more um, uh, uh, inspirational ball now, I think, that so. Curious on that. Well, I'm kind of following the the Horace Hawks a little bit too, and West Fargo Horace two years deep into a program, and they're they're in the postseason. Not surprising they, though, right? I mean, that's that no much like Cheyenne. I mean, you, you kind of see right. There's money in those hills, and you know they got a lot of they got know, really Roman. sharp. Got sharp. I just saw Horace play not too long ago. Yeah. Uh, they've got to travel across the state to the Bijou Activity Center in Dickinson. Yeah, so that's uh that's a that's a pretty good. You see Montana from there. I think they'll stop at the coffee cup. They might. I don't know. <laughs> Get a New Salem Sioux and yeah. Uh, and uh, boy, Shanley. We'll see if West Fargo can bring it. But as Derek mentioned, we've got that game for you Friday night. They're, they're going to need Shanley's it. so good. But man, West Fargo. I've seen them a couple times now. They fight. It's a just a typical yeah. Jay Gibson team. They are not going to give up, and that's you, one you, thing I like about them. You get behind and maybe turn the ball, and all of a sudden you're in a ball game. Yeah. Well, they're like the Vikings. They they turn the ball over. That's that's been their bugaboo, and they did against the two teams I watched them play, Cheyenne and North, Fargo North. You can't do that. I mean, that's just I watched. I just watched Cheyenne put a seventy burger yeah. up. Uh, so if the, if those two teams find a way to find themselves in a Dakota Bowl, which of course we are gearing everything towards a Dakota Bowl and postseason football in the Minnesota side. So that that is a little bit of a rundown to our texture. Can you break? It's a little bit of a rundown on both sides. Of the border, and and know this uh, again as Derek mentioned. Friday night we'll have Shanley and West Fargo, and then uh, then Saturday Barnesville, and we don't know yet. We'll have to wait till after mm-hmm. today's gone. I had one more crazy thing. and world, right? Uh, one more thing, right? Well, we'll see which one it is. Uh, did you you know the Michigan? Uh, you know the the, the, the scandal, the, the scandal, stealing signs, which did, I've never heard of in football before. But I, I didn't know the. I, I've heard of this because I've talked with with uh, college coaches going, "Well, you can't you can't do that. That's it's integrity of this." So uh, I, I'm curious on this. If you had a, a, if you were a coach of a college and maybe you had a son that played for another team and you went to watch your son's team play and it's in the same conference and you were doing like videoing your boy. For memory and whatever, but yet, ooh, that's what they're running over there. You know, I wonder what the, where the line is on this because Connor Stallions, the suspended Michigan staffer, and he's at the center of this Michigan's the NCAA sign stealing probe. And if you haven't heard any of this, here, here's what here's what this is about. They found out he purchased tickets in his own name for more than thirty games over the past three years at eleven different Big Ten schools. Sources at eleven different league, uh, league schools told that to you know play ESPN and others that that broke this story. So the alleged sign stealing operation includes video evidence and electronics prohibited by the NCAA. Again, it, it cuts into the integrity. So he was <laughs> allegedly, I guess, he was uh, buying tickets on you know Seat Geek and all these other places. Unreal. And, and then while there. And then if it wasn't him, you'd see maybe the transfer 
of tickets to said game in someone else, and then there's video evidence of those people videoing stuff. So that's what's at the that's what's at the uh, the the crux of what Michigan is uh, going through, Derek. And it it was quite the elaborate scouting system apparently that that's going on. So you know, here's I, the, here's the deal: can't do that. Well, and do it's much like when Belichick got caught for the what the, and this is when the Jets are really the bad Jets, right? And they got busted for the camera thing on the sidelines, right? Yeah. You're the New England Patriots. You don't need to be cheating. You're good enough. <laughs> right. right. If you haven't dominated enough. Uh, by the way, here's some video evidence on, on that to go. So that that's the latest on the uh, that Michigan standalone I thought I'd, I'd bring up. Uh, we're working what do you way- need to steal signs when you're running over people, literally, with yeah. your running game? Got to gain I, the advantage, Derek. Oh. Got to gain the advantage. Just problem is technology now. Uh, t- the ability of technology, it tempts your integrity a little bit more in this uh, game of sport. You know, as opposed to the old days where you just, you know, you, when you stole signs in baseball, it's because you, you, you know, you saw the finger go down and, and yeah. you try to, yeah, it's all different now. Thanks to Dick Bremer joining us today. Stick around. Common Man is coming up uh, next. A game seven tonight after Hawk Talk right here on 740 The Fan. We'll see it. We'll see if it's Philly or Arizona that dances with Texas in the World Series. Common Man is coming up next. You've been listening to Jack Michael's show with Derek Hansen on 740 The Fan, 107.3 FM. We are KNFL.